Today, we have the great privilege of being joined by the incomparable and iconoclastic Blair White to discuss what the left gets wrong on transgenderism, the problems with LGBT activism, and which pronouns we should all be using. Then, Ariel Davidson and Amber Athey join the panel of deplorables to talk Eminem's terrible rap performance, but I repeat myself, fat kids, and how the Boy Scouts have officially become the Girl Scouts. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. Blair, thank you for coming today. We have you in studio, which is excellent. Now, this is a total coincidence, but it's probably just providential. Today, we booked you just for today. We didn't realize it. It is International – no, it's National Coming Out Day and International Day of the Girl. That is a a tremendous coincidence. Well, it's a good thing you brought the girl. That we brought the girl. (laughs) We have the girl in studio. Now, for those of you who don't know Blair, I would be surprised – if anybody doesn't know Blair at this point, but check out this video. It's my view, however, that while the truth can be harsh, it can't be bigoted. And I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've never had a problem swallowing the truth. And I actually think there's a power in recognizing the truth because it'll set you free and such. Transgenderism is a mental disorder. So aside from that, there is a tiny portion of the population that are transsexuals, such as yours truly. I'm a biological male who was born that way and will die that way. However, as my luck would only have it, Mother Nature kind of me and gave me the inclinations of a female. There's been a number of studies that have shown that male to female transsexuals have similar brain structures and activity to that of biological women. Because of that, I decided to take it upon myself to seek out the help of medicine to transition or physically resemble the body of a woman to the best of my ability. So in any sense other than legally, I guess. This doesn't mean that I changed my sex. This doesn't mean that I am an invented new sex. It simply means that I personally found it necessary to live as and resemble the opposite sex in the pursuit of my own happiness. You just, I don't know if you could hear that. I could. You just made the computers of every lefty who watches this show explode. They just exploded. <laughs> their, their houses are on fire. I'm, I'm actually only kidding because no lefties watch my show. <laughs> it, you, are, you are like a voice of reason on this whole issue. You yourself are transgender, you, uh, but you're, you're not insisting that there's a third gender or a fifth gender or a 250th gender. You're not suggesting that you've become uh, metaphysically a woman, but you know you do resemble a woman. Obviously, you don't look like a man. Uh, therefore, it follows naturally that you would be shunned by the online transgender community. Absolutely. You know, I try to take, at least in my eyes, a realistic approach to describing transgenderism, the experience of being trans, et cetera, um, and of all the trans activists, of course hate me, LGBT activists in general. (laughs) Uh, I often call myself like the black sheep of the trans community. Why do they, I actually saw on Twitter, someone said there were like seven kinds of trans people and you were a (laughs) category. You were your own category, yeah. Yeah. There was like right wing, left wing, Blair. (laughs) Why why do they resist you? Why do they, why are they so offended when you say things that are obviously true, that are common sense? You know, I just think there's a particular narrative that is acceptable at this point in time and anything else you know, diverging from that is just hated. Um, it's hate facts, as they call them, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know, the whole topic of, you know, trans being a mental disorder, that's literally just a fact. It's, it's just a definition, a yeah. It is. Um, if you want to be more precise, gender dysphoria is, but transgenderism is the state of having gender dysphoria. Um, so for me, it's kind of like, I don't know why that's such a 
an inflammatory statement because people have all kinds of disorders. People have anxiety, depression, you know. OCD. OCD, autism, everything. So I've never understood why it's so um, terrible to say that or admit that, but. And, and to say that I'm I'm a man, I was born a man, I've, my, I have the body of a man, but there's something in my psyche that makes me think that I'm a woman, makes me identify more as a woman, makes me want to be a woman. What is so hateful about acknowledging that reality? Nothing. And the thing about it is that um, when you lay it out that way, it actually helps people who maybe would not understand trans people understand. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, the whole problem with trans activists in the trans community is they don't bridge the gap between the right and the left. They stay on the left and they only adhere to those talking points. When in Other reality, than Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner is the one who voted Trump, right? Yeah, but, but still probably not the best spokesperson, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah. still not doing it the way it should be done. But um, the thing about it is when it comes to this whole topic, everyone just talks past each other and no one gets anything done. Mm. Uh, so I prefer to leave the emotional arguments out of it when it comes to trans stuff because it makes more sense to people on the right and those are, you know, my people as well. You right. know what I mean? And uh, other than... Would, would you call yourself on the right or... Yeah, for sure. For sure. And that's why I feel like I'm a bit more understanding of the rights difficulties understanding trans people and um, that's why really other than me you mentioned Caitlyn Jenner um, there are really are no other people doing shows like this and doing right-wing shows and really bridging that gap and able to communicate to those people so and was your family right-wing I mean did you come from a Republican family or uh, were they are you the are you the political black sheep of the family um, it was half and half my mom's side was uh, the liberal side my dad's side was the conservative side so that made for an interesting um, dichotomy as far as growing up trans as well mm. I've kind of always been like in the middle of everything right you know being trans and then having like conservative family and then being conservative myself but you know it's it's been complicated. Did the conservative family were they resistant to your new identity, or did they kind of go along with it? Uh, resistant for sure. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything ugly. It wasn't anything like um, throwing you out of the house. No, I was never yeah. abused or anything. But um, and my dad was fine. Uh, but it, it was difficult. It's getting better now though, which is great. Now that I'm an adult and I'm you know. I take care of myself now and I'm doing my thing and, and, and they appreciate me going on shows like this. You're so like the most great. famous person on YouTube. You know, clearly you've been successful <laughs> in this commentary. This brings up the, the right-wing resistance to transgenderism, uh -huh. to the movement of transgenderism, to a lot of the activism that comes out of it. I think a lot of it is about the pronouns. And I struggle with this myself. I don't know which to use because my reason tells me, just as you said, you know, you, you're born a man, you'll die a man but you now more resemble, you certainly resemble a woman, you don't look like a man. So my reason tells me it would be uh, objecting to reality to say she. And yet, you're my guest, you're my friend, you're, you're, uh, my politeness would uh, object to calling you he. You, and, mm -hmm. you, you, and, and obviously, in terms of secondary sex traits, you, you certainly look much more like a woman. H how do we resolve this, this issue between manners and politeness and civil society and the biological facts of uh, sex. Well, you certainly don't legislate it. I think that's a huge problem. Um, I was just reading the other day, in 2018, there's about to be like harsher penalties for misgendering someone in the health field than for spreading HIV, which is insane. That's so, right. I, I saw that. Yeah. They're, they're making, it will no longer be a felony mm -hmm. to intentionally, excuse me, to intentionally spread HIV. 
California is a mess. Uh, California is <laughs> a mess. A, but, just a generally true statement. Yeah, just a mess. Uh, but again, you don't legislate it because that turns people off and it, it, it also creates trans people, makes trans people a liability mm. when they become employees. You know, no company wants to hire someone who is potentially a lawsuit. You know what I mean? So th that's a problem. And that's another thing. It's like a double-sided sword because the trans activists claim to fight for trans unemployment and then they do things like that. Right. Um, but again, with, with pronouns, it's like, it's just do what makes sense, you know what I mean? Like, for instance, if you and I were to go to dinner or something, and I got there before you, so I was at the table, and you told people at the front, like, I'm meeting my friend, you wouldn't say, he's in the black top over there. Like, yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? It just makes, because they wouldn't <laughs> know who you're talking about. He's in the silky dress over there. Yeah, they would yeah. lead you to someone else. Right. Uh, so it's just about what makes sense. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who seem hell-bent on um, having things not make sense. You mm. know what I mean? People who uh, want to be referred to with, you know, third pronouns, fourth pronouns, Z, the, the Z, they, the they. Yeah, the it, singular they is the worst one. That That is unforgivable. It is such an offense to grammar. I can't it imagine is, it. It is. It, and it is. And it's frustrating. Um, for me, when I'm in those situations, I just don't hang out with people like that. Yeah. Um, if I'm around them, I'm not going to be intentionally rude or anything. But... I would prefer not to hang out with someone who has like that high of expectations for a normal conversation with them. Right. It's kind of annoying. Uh, but I, other than that, just do what makes sense. You know Is there I mean? a worry that the pronouns kind of give up the the premises? So in the pronouns, in any polite society, you would just say she and her to refer to you. You, you identify as a woman, you look like a woman, just go with it. But is there something to worry about that in that premise, by granting the premise that one can change biological sex from male to female, from him to her, that we're giving the left a, a, a premise from which uh, many of their arguments will flow, even if it's not a correct premise. Does that make sense? I it didn't, I didn't say that articulately. Sense. No, it makes absolute sense. Um, I guess in a sense, but at the same time, it's still about what makes sense. I mean, I don't even think it's giving the left that. I think they already have that. They're going to take it anyway, right? Yeah, I think right? people They're, argue mm -hmm. against it when the reality is, like, I don't think since I was a teenager I've ever been called he. Like right. even like pre-transition when I was starting to grow my hair out, didn't no hormones, no surgery, I still never got called he. So you know what I mean? So it's it's just about common sense. Um, obviously, when it comes to some people, there's this one trans activist. I believe her name is uh, Danielle Moscato. I think it's Danielle Moscato, and um, she's made like no. I'm saying she because I'm polite, uh, but she's made no attempt to do anything, like literally male clothes, bald head, no makeup, no anything. No Just legal, in every way. No legal like gender. It. In every way. Like, looks manlier than you. Like, Well, I, I'm, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> unfortunately, there are a lot of guys who look manlier than me. You'll but take it. That's uh, all right. And so when it comes to people like that, it's very frustrating um, because they'll make a huge deal about it. But most trans people, we have to remember, like, mm. The internet is like not real life all the time, so a lot of these <laughs> it's, activists. It's hard to it's keep like, that in mind. Yeah. yeah, a lot of these activists are like, yeah, there's crazy nuts on the internet, but most trans people are just it's, doesn't 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 matter. Of course, and and also there aren't that many transgender people. Mm -mm. You know, the the statistic for a long time was. I think it was 0.2% of the population or, or even less. Now that some surveys say that number is 0.6% of the population, I think. Obviously, there are differing numbers because it's such a, a small population. Uh -huh. And yet, it's all anyone's talking about. And I do think that the left has made us so reactionary on this. You know, so I, reactionary. They, they do this on everything. They, they've 
but they've incredibly made cross-dressers not fun. I don't know how they did that. Cross-dressers have always been fun throughout all of history. It makes Rocky you know? Horror, like, not fun. Yeah, anymore. it makes it this, like, somber thing. Makes the, the village in New York, like, this very serious social, you know, come, come on, on, man. They've done it on college campuses. They've made sex boring. I don't know how they did that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always <laughs> said, like, yeah, they, I've always said, you know, transgenderism, is and should exist outside of the realm of politics because it's it's not political. It's biological. It's neurological. Um, it's a condition. Psychological. Yeah. yeah. And when you start politicizing things like that, I mean, it would suck just as much if they started politicizing, I don't know, uh, autistic people or something. Right. Like, right. You know, making a group of people who are going through enough, like the political football, is really frustrating. Um, and it was the left's fault because they made it, you know, their issue. I often say. I almost miss the days when, like, no one really knew what it meant. Like, everyone has kind of yeah. always known there are some, like, males who, you know, live as females, and you know, but no one's ever gotten to the nitty-gritty of it. Mm -hmm. And now everyone's debating these small, like, insignificant facets of what it is to be trans. And they uh, make, of, it's like, just 12 people. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and they're making, but it is, right now, it is dominating the national conversation. All we're talking about is bathrooms, you know. <sighs> Actually, fortunately, since President Trump was elected, we're talking about, like, jobs in North Korea again. But before that, we were right, only... It was just bathrooms. Uh, yeah, there was just only bathrooms. That's the national... Why is that? What about 2017, our culture, left or right, is makes this relatively minor issue dominate the national discourse? Right. I mean, first of all, I always say I don't like to be expected to suspend my knowledge of how the real world works to have these conversations right. because I've never had a problem using any public bathroom. I've been in the Midwest. I've been in Michigan. I've been in California where it's super liberal. And it's like I just, I've been in Texas. I don't have an issue. Right. Most people I know don't have an issue. So it's frustrating to see that become such a huge thing when already, like you said, it's such a small amount of people, and it's even smaller the people in that group who actually have an issue. You right. know what I mean? It's, it's not... just a symbol for the left, though, isn't it? It's just a way to, to, to poke the culture, I think. Yeah, but I do think a lot of conservatives fall into the trap of, like, ending up caring about it. You right, know what I mean? Right, of course. I think that's such a huge trap they've fallen into. Um, I would prefer to see the conservative movement in the future focus on um, reclaiming, like, more of a position in culture as far as arts and stuff like that because the left dominates all of that. And it's really frustrating, you know what I mean? And they think, you know, the, I think the right thinks that they're gonna win this battle on pronoun legislation, which is coming, by the way. It's, it's in other countries. Absolutely, it's be, coming. It, but, it means, yeah. So that they are gonna do that, and obviously we have to fight back against that. And I hope the right wins. I, really I, I hope the right wins on that. I mean, they're going, to, they're going to focus on this bathroom legislation, but really, that's not where uh, that, politics is downstream of culture, right? But uh, conservatives are such philistines that we don't realize that uh, orange is the new black or something or transparent has a much greater effect on the culture than uh, absolutely than our our little legislation or our political candidates. Absolutely, and um, I'll also say this: one thing I've learned from doing a lot of um, conservative shows and talking to a lot of conservative hosts, um, you're not included in this, but um, almost all of them have told me that they have, they don't have nearly as much of an issue with the trans thing as their audience pressures them to act out. In the sense that it, it's almost like it's just become a talking point. Mm. And it's become, you know, being pro-trans or anti-trans, it's just a talking point at this point, and people are forgetting, you know, that it's not that huge of an issue. So, um, that's that's interesting because we, you know I don't ever get questions about it in the mailbag. I think it is. I think it's literally the pronouns. I think that's. I think that's what they care. They don't want someone to tell them that I am going to dictate to you how you can view reality. I, I think it's there. I don't think the issue 
among our audience. I don't think it's about transgender people yeah, at all. It's not. I think it's about lefties bullying them into submission, yeah. basically. Yeah. I don't know if that's true of other audiences, but I, I think it's that is common on the right. I think it's true. If the left would let it up, they'd say, like, all right, man, for the mm-hmm. for the 18 people who have this affliction, you know. Yeah, it's just become... Do, do what you're going to do, yeah. It's become such an unnecessary war, but then it gets to the point where it is necessary. So. That's it, yeah. Now, so getting to you, we've talked about politics. There are a gazillion excellent videos on your channel that people can Thank watch you. about this. But getting to you, you haven't had an easy life. You've had personal difficulties. You... Uh, I wouldn't share this if it, if it weren't public, but you made a video that you were raped in, as a teenager. Obviously, transitioning and this gender dysphoria ha- has to be psychologically stressful. And uh, to add on top of that, all of these lefties hurl insults at you all the time <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. What uh, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? Is it a religious conviction? Is it a sense of mission, political mission? Um. I guess just the fact that despite everything, I really love life. Like, I really love what I'm doing. Um, I made my transition happen for myself. No one paid for it but myself. Um, I've always, up to this point, pretty much gotten everything I've wanted because I've worked for it and I've made it happen for myself. Um, I'm just, like, in a really good place in life. And um, I really love doing YouTube. I, I guess a lot of the emails I get from people saying that, you know, I'm saying things they could never say right. and, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff really keeps me going as well. And you know, I have a good family, I have good friends, an amazing boyfriend. Uh, life is good, you know, people, everyone goes through stuff. Um, mm-hmm. It's just about choosing to overcome it or live in that, you know? Do you think it's that though? I mean, you have every reason to have a victim mentality. You've got this difficult uh, issue by nature of your birth. Then you've had these other issues come on, but you don't, haven't chosen to be a victim. No, I think that's... Why not? You can cash that in. You can, there's a lot of cachet in this culture. I cash in. Um, I just think that's not a healthy way to live. I think, you know, being self-serving is good, but when you, it's when you're doing good things. When you're being self-serving in the sense of just feeling pity for yourself and expecting things to be handed to you because something may have happened to you in the past, I mean, it's really gross and unhealthy. That's not a way I want to live. I prefer to, you know, work hard, drive for my goals, be happy, be in love, all of that stuff. I much prefer that. Does this does this come from any kind of religious point of view? Is that is it some traditional point of view, or did you just stumble on these very profound uh, guides to life on your own? It just comes from nowhere. It just uh, comes that you know, wisdom being spun by Blair White. <laughs> uh, I've never been religious, uh, but um, I think actually now that you said it, it does come from my dad's side of the family. Um, hard work and never feeling sorry for yourself and just getting what you want was always something instilled in me from that side of the family. Um, I think it just stuck with me. Um, it's just how I was raised, I guess. It's that good old American civic religion. Right. Absolutely right. Right. Hard work and not pitying yourself and just going out there and getting really famous and making a bunch of money. That's, <laughs> that's the American dream. American dream. Now, all right, I could talk to you all day, but we have this excellent panel of deplorables that we have to bring on. And listen. Let's do it. I know. I know you want to listen to the panel of deplorables. Blair's going to stick around for the panel. We have to talk about all of the important political issues like Eminem's stupid rap and fat kids and the boy now Girl Scouts. But you don't get any of that unless you go to dailywire.com and subscribe. We want to thank everybody who has already subscribed. You help us keep the lights on. You let me polish my Rachel Maddow glasses. It's a really good life here. Uh, But... For those of you who haven't, you got to go over there right now. It's $10 a month, $100 a year. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, yada, yada, yada. I know. But wait, there's more. 
the leftist here is Tumblr. This is, every time I go out in public, I carry on my phone a little Blair White video, a little commentary video. I take the lid off my Tumblr and I just collect them and they pour down like I'm in the center of the Amazon rainforest. So make sure this is the perfect vessel, the only vessel to contain your leftist tears. They are delicious. Have them uh, hot, have them cold, always salty, very satisfying. Dailywire.com right now. We will be right back. Thank you for being here. We have Ariel Davidson from the Hoover Institution. We have Amber Athey from the Daily Caller. Ladies, uh, welcome and happy International Day of the Girl. What a privilege to have you here. We have to talk about this very important news today. The rapper Eminem belched some gibberish about Donald Trump last night at the BET Awards. Let's hear it. Wait, how was I going to start this off? I forgot. Oh, yeah. That's an awfully hot coffee pot. Should I drop it on Donald Trump? Probably not, but that's all I got till I come up with a solid. Got a plan and now I got a hatchet like a Apache with a tomahawk. I'm a walk inside a mosque on Ramadan and say a prayer that every time talks. She gets a map. Ah! I'ma stop. But we better give Obama props, cause what we got in office now's a kamikaze that'll probably cause a nuclear holocaust. We have come a long way from Bach, haven't we? <laughs> uh, Ariel, everybody tells me that Eminem is a great lyricist, but that sure does not sound like Wordsworth to me. What am I missing? So I uh, actually got myself into some trouble today because I started comparing Eminem and saying that Tupac was a much better lyricist, which I stand by. Um, I think there are some elements within uh, our discussion of Eminem. We have to be able to separate sort of his past history as being a great lyricist to his current piece of crap that he produced. Excuse my French. Um, so I think that, you know, he is a talented rapper given his, you know, the style of art he usually partakes in. Uh, this is a pretty abysmal piece of work, and I'll leave it at that. I think it's grossly economically inaccurate. I think it doesn't really pay homage to the fact that the Iran deal, which is Obama's crowning achievement in terms of foreign policy, actually runs the risk of creating a nuclear crisis. But I will step away and let the other ladies speak on that, too. So you're not, I'm sorry, you're not going to grant Professor Eminem his premises. I do have to disagree with you on both Eminem and Tupac, because my favorite okay. rapper is Puff Doggy Dog and Snoop, Snoop Diddly Doodap, so <laughs> I, I guess we can compare. Taste is subjective, you know, who, who can really tell which is best after all. Uh, Amber, is this just a desperate attempt uh, of a has-been to stay relevant, or does Eminem have something to offer our culture in 2017? Gosh, who knows? Maybe a bit of both. But like Ariel said, this is the most pathetic attempt at rapping I think I've ever seen. And actually pretty disappointing. As someone who used to listen to Eminem, I used to be into rap in like middle school and high school because I thought I was cool or whatever. You were cool. Um, he has. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. A lot of people would disagree with you. <laughs> but um, He had some pretty disgusting lyrics in his time. You know, he talked about throwing women in, in the trunk of the car and driving them off bridges and raping women and stuffing them in the closet. So for him to 
the best he can come up with is throwing hot coffee on Donald Trump. It's a little disappointing. I think he can do a lot better. Yeah, where is his vicious thuggery? It really was lacking from that last night. Blair, that is an excellent point that she brings up. Why does the media give this guy a pass? He said horrible things about gays, about women, and yet I noticed that none of that was present in their coverage of this today. Right, they're so picky choosy with you know who their little pets are. What's really interesting, I was watching The View this morning and Joy Behar was, first of all, her voice is grating. Uh, but second of all, she was talking about how he's so brave for speaking out against the president. And it's like, in what world? Every artist, every celebrity right now is speaking out against so the president. Brave. It's That's like so gross. I know, it's it's gross. And the thing about it, like the freestyle was trash for sure. <laughs> um, my boyfriend told me this morning, apparently he had two albums recently. Didn't know that. I guess they didn't do well. Uh, so, and then he also, I think when George Bush was in office, he like said he wanted him dead or something. And it's he got really like courageous. investigated by the it's FBI. So cor- it's just as courageous as yeah. Michael Moore. Yeah, I haven't I haven't bought the latest Eminem CD either. I think I, I, I loved the '90s; they were great in 2000s. But just leave them in the past, man. Let's move on to the future. Yeah. Speak, speaking of the future, we there was a new study out. A new study that shows the greatest health crisis afflicting our troubled planet, and that is fat kids. Uh, obesity rates among children and teenagers have plateaued, apparently, in the U.K. at 10 percent, 20 percent in the United States. The U.S. currently pays $325 billion per year to treat all of the negative health effects that come as a result of that. Now, in Asia, North Africa, and the Middle East, child obesity rates are skyrocketing. Blair, the world is so prosperous that for the first time in history, the, the health problem is that our children are too fat. They're too well-fed. Uh, once we finally perfect the sex robots, will our culture just wither away from too much luxury? <laughs> Probably. That's so heartbreaking to even hear. I went to school for nutrition for a while, so that kind of like hits home. It's really sad, you know. Uh, I consider it child abuse, honestly, uh, to have an obese child like mm-hmm. at that young of an age. That's child abuse for sure. And Amber, does this finally put an end to all these stupid fads? Uh, as Blair mentions, there there is a little bit of child abuse perhaps going on, but we always hear about how terrible GMOs are and trans fat and gluten and yada, 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 and they're supposed to kill us. And yet we're like the best fed people ever and we live to be 100. Uh, is Will this finally put an end to all of the nonsense and the kale and the avocados and all of that? No, probably not, because unfortunately food is politicized too, to the point where the left sort of takes like the GMO and environmental organic issues and tries to make it a political talking point. Um, and then another part of this that I think is political is this talk about like plus size models and healthy at any size and you can't fat shame people. And to me, as someone who used to be overweight, I think that's so disappointing because like, no, you shouldn't bully someone for being overweight. But I think it's good for people to know that that's it's not OK. It's not healthy for you to be 300 pounds at the age of 12. And maybe you should do something about it to change it. And really, the only person that can that can change that is yourself. You can't expect society to just accept that as as healthy or, or okay. Blair, I know you're a really strong advocate of the anti-fat shaming movement. Isn't that right? <laughs> uh, no. I, it, it is interesting how a lot of this is done in the name of supporting women, but supporting this message of healthy to any size, et cetera, is actually, it hurts women. You know, women don't want to be fat. Women want to be beautiful. That's part of, you know, the nature of women is to be attractive and be desired. That's 
scientific. I'm, so, I'm just trying to be attractive and desired too, man, but right. less to less success. Say lovey. I'm sorry I cut you off. Right. So it's, it's, like I said, in the name of women, but it's lying to women as well, which is frustrating. Mm. Ariel, uh, Andrew Clavin has pointed this out before that, you know, they say we live in decadent times or call it dawn to decadence, you know, but decadence is very good for the elites. <laughs> and we're all elites today, aren't we? In the United States, in the developed world. Is, uh, is this a sign of our decadence? I mean, the, the fact that the, we, we don't have to worry really as much about starvation as we do about overeating. Uh, where does a culture go from here when it's so luxurious and so well-fed in so many ways? You know, I think it's a sign of decadence, but I also think it's showing sort of the primacy that technology has started to place in our lives. Um, you know, you don't really need to get up to in order to get things physically. We can just order things on Amazon now. You don't need to, you know, there's no um, impetus to step outside and play with your friends. Now you can just play video games or enter virtual worlds. This is the next step that Facebook is taking. So pretty much to, in order to get anything you like, um, you have to, you don't really have to do much to get it. So it, it's sort of like you can just sit on your couch and engage and you pretty much get what you want. Uh, it's a very strange phenomenon, but I think technology has a lot to do with it. That's absolutely right. And there are a few things I like more than sitting on my couch and getting anything that I want. There is breaking news that came out an hour ago that the Boy Scouts will now fully admit girls to be the Boy Scouts. And uh, the girls can go as high up in the ranks as they want to. They can become Eagle Scouts. And we're, by the way, we're not talking about transgender people. We're not talking about a, a girl who identifies as a boy and then joins the Boy Scouts. Just full-on girls can become Boy Scouts. Now, Blair, on these issues of gender, you have a unique perspective. That's so funny. I thought you were talking about, you know, trans kids or something. It's just girls it's getting just the girls. Boy Scouts. It's just the Boy Scouts. I think it's a money grab. You know, men are all about the money, and I think they're just trying to <laughs> take away all the Girl Scouts now, too. Does this make any sense? I mean, in a certain sense, by our culture's logic, it does, in that uh, the left has always told us gender is a social construct. It doesn't really matter. Of course, simultaneously, they tell us it's the most important thing in the world. Uh, does it make any sense for the Boy Scouts to now be taking away all of the Girl Scouts. I mean, I guess it's not like the hugest injustice in the world, but at the same time, I mean, maybe it sounds funny coming from, from someone who's trans, but I do believe in traditional gender roles. I think it's really healthy for a society. So the idea that we're not teaching boys to be boys anymore, not teaching girls to be girls, I mean, obviously, listen, I'm trans. But I think you can... But, you but know, you're trans, but you're but, not saying that the categories of gender are meaningless. No, Quite the opposite, right? You can support traditional gender roles and traditional gender while, you know, acknowledging that there are some people that fall outside of that. Um, I do think that they should just keep it separate. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's good for little boys to be around with the little boys, et cetera. Ariel, are you going to send your daughter into the Boy Scouts? Make a, make a good Eagle Scout of her? Well, I think what was interesting about their announcement was that they were saying, oh, you know, we want to do this because there are some girls that want to be part of the Boy Scout mission. And I said to myself, well, isn't this why we have the Girl Scouts? Yeah. Um, Beckett Adams actually had a great tweet today on Twitter where he said eventually they're just going to, you know, the Boy Scouts are going to be flooded with girls, so then the the boys are uh, going to lead the Boy Scouts and head to the Girl Scouts. They're going to join the Girl Scouts. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to have a total switching of roles, and then we'll rename them again to the Girl Scout and the Boy Scouts. Um, so I think, you know, there's something crucially important about how we, you know, I, I went to single-sex education for nine years, from kindergarten to eighth grade. I found it to be hugely beneficial to have sort of an environment that was you know, girls only, but a way for you to, you know, relate to other women 
um, without sort of the social pressures that boys might present in the picture. So mm. I think there's something really valuable about having the saint preserving the sanctity of girls only Girl Scouts and boys only Boy Scouts. But that's just my sort of personal opinion. Um, there's been lots of research done that shows that boys' brains develop very differently than girls' brains. And, you know, when you tailor an experience to match that developmental path, um, it can be hugely beneficial. I don't know necessarily how they'll be able to carry this out if there's some sort of mixing, but, you know, that's totally up to them. I think it's pretty, utter, I think it's utterly ridiculous. I think we'll see some pushback from some parents, but only time will tell. You also, know, Ariel, last- having gone Sorry. to school from all of those years that you were in single sex education, having gone to right. a school where boys and girls uh, co-mingle and go to school together, I too will be sending my daughter to a single sex education school. I think it's a great idea, you know, different ways it develops and keep them away from those awful, awful boys. Amber, Uh, The Girl Scouts are not happy about this. They sent out a statement last time the Boy Scouts moved in this direction, basically saying, keep your hands off our Scouts. We we don't want our organization to dissolve. Will the this kind of gender discourse that's happening right now, will this lead to the end of all female institutions, such as all female sports, all female educational institutions? If uh, single sex schools have to admit boys now, then uh, with her single single sex schools. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be across the board. For example, sports is obviously a terrible idea because as much as liberals would have you believe, um, boys and girls are biologically different and it's really dangerous actually to have them playing in sports together. In terms of just specifically the Boy Scouts and the Girl Scouts, I actually tweeted about this earlier today. I was in Girl Scouts for three years and I sympathize with them being worried that the Boy Scouts are going to steal their Scouts away because Girl Scouts was absolutely terrible. I actually ended up quitting because I was so bored because I was kind of a tomboy when I was when I was young. So I wanted to go and make fires and like shoot guns and shoot. All I wanted to, to do was eat cookies. Uh, if like only that. we could have traded places. Amber. <laughs> if only we could have. Traded I know, places. right? So. I, I was always really jealous of the Boy Scouts because they got to go off and go camping and do all this cool stuff. And Girl Scouts, at least with my troop leader, didn't get to do that. But the answer to that isn't to take away the boys only and girls only spaces that, like Ariel said, I think are super important to development. The answer is to just make Girl Scouts better. Make the Girl Scouts better. I know. I agree. We need more cookie flavors. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Amber. Okay. That is all of our time today. Panel. Thank you for being here, especially Blair White. Thank you for being here. So nice to have you in studio. And just a little bit of housekeeping here. Tuesday, October 17th at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, there will be The Conversation with Andrew Clavin. Uh, It will be streamed live to the Daily Wire Facebook page and YouTube channel. It will be available for everyone to watch, but only subscribers get to ask the questions. So join the conversation. Go over there. You can ask the Supreme Leader of the Multiverse anything you want to know. Also, speaking of that Supreme Leader, I'll be doing a, a new podcast with Andrew Clavin. It's his new story. It's his new novel called Another Kingdom. I will be performing the whole thing. Obviously, I'm never going to work in Hollywood again, so this is one of my last available acting opportunities. It's launching this Friday, October 13th. Look out for it on our you know, Twitter and Michael J. Knowles and Andrew Clavin, and Facebook will be posting links to it. Get your mailbags questions in because we will be joined tomorrow by Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, and I will be answering all of your most pressing questions. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it all again.